Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 576 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with an imperfect man who records a perfect podcast, Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? No, the podcast can always be better, but I run out of time. Oh, well. What? You say we run, we, it's going to be a short show. Don't worry, Joe. You're not going to run out of time. See, you said it. What? You're not supposed to say it because that jinxes things. Oh, is that a blood jinx or regular jinx? Or... A regular jinx. All right. I want none of them there blood jinxes, Joe. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time for that. It's his birthday and he's sleeping. So he had a, oh. he had a busy day of hibachi. So oh, he's all tuckered out. He certainly is. Mm-hmm. So how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Todd. What do we got on the show today? Um, Joe, we got news. Remember news? I remember news. They were, I, well, go ahead. I remember news, Todd. Go ahead. Tease the news segment. <laughs> right. Um, DC cancels a book that will probably be back. Um, big to doings with the Superman family. And the return of the most anticipated thing in the history of this show. Oh, yeah. And there's a saga update. Um, there's no <laughs> conventions. <laughs> There is conventions. I always forget to send the email because we're just back to conventions. There's conventions. Oh, I'm sorry. There was okay. Um, digital sales. What we read last week, which was Nice House on the Lake number five, and Dark Ages number two. What we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues. I believe uh, at the last minute we got a Todd's art attack, and uh, at the end, spoiler-filled talk of Stargirl and why the last man. It's uh it's a big week for once. Yep, yep. Short, short show. I'm saying it. The more you say it, the worse it gets. Yep. Well, as long as I say it, it it lengthens the show, Joe. Yes. Uh so uh Todd mentions there was going to be a Batman Catwoman special mm-hmm. uh that has been delayed. Um, and I guess uh, the reasons for such was the projected artist for that, John Paul Leone, had passed away. And whether or not he had finished the book or whatever the circumstances were, it was from it was delayed from July to December, now delayed to sometime in 2022. Um, over at New York Comic Con this past weekend, they did say that DC is going to be putting out a John Paul Leone tribute issue. Maybe bits and pieces of that, uh, whatever was finished, is going to be used in that. And they're just going to re- redo the entire issue. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting to see like something. Obviously, I think it's because it's Batman. They have to acknowledge it, you know. Right, right. Um, for something to be delayed, to be acknowledged, the reasons for the delays, and obviously the, the knowledge, the reasons for it being delayed, very real and very real world reasons for it to be delayed. Um, but the fact that they're going to attempt to keep it on the schedule as well, instead of just canceling something like this when one of the creators passes away, you know. Right, because I'd really like to know, like you said, I, not that I understand all reasons, I have no problem with it, you know what I mean, but just like how much did he get done, I'd like to think it's actually done, 
and they're just adding more to it in a bigger tribute way. But sure. I, have a, I have a feeling I'm wrong in that that he didn't finish it, and they're you know they're do like you said they're doing the tribute with unfinished art. Now maybe they have to have somebody swoop in and finish the original script or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't know, but I always like this stuff, and I'm looking forward to whatever tribute issue that he gets. I'll probably pick up for sure. So. So, uh, DC, speaking of them, uh, it was announced this week uh, that next week's issue of Superman's Son of Kal-El is going to have a big status quo changing moment for the character, uh, where it is going to be announced that Jonathan Kent is bisexual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that has raised a lot of interest in the book. Um, I say, luckily the book is very good. Uh, you know, only three or four issues in at this point. And, you know, I, I don't get why in 2021 people are taken aback by this or stunned by this or upset by this or have any real adverse reaction to something like this happening in a comic book. Okay, let's play a little game because I'm serious about this now. I'm going to be 100, you know, not joking around. What I think a lot of it was was a lot of the headlines because, you know, people don't read the story. And because uh, Jonathan Kent is going to be Superman, it's, you know, DC Comics makes Superman bisexual. And everybody thinks Clark Kent is now bisexual. Um, if they, I wouldn't say I'd be up in arms about if they made, uh, Clark this way, I'd be like, but I do kind of fall into that category. I'm like, you could do what you want. I'm not going to be offended, but I do think that's lazy writing. And, uh, the whole thing is you should create new characters and give them, you know, whatever backstory you want, whatever sexuality, whatever. And that's what they're doing with Jonathan. And so uh, the people who kind of were like, oh, uh, with with Clark, maybe I get it. But I understand there's deeper rooted problems there. Anybody who goes, who always said, well, you need to create new characters and make them and build them up. Well, that's what this is. So take take your complaints and, and say it walking. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason you should have a problem with this one. Um, so I'm of two minds. And like I said, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'm never reading Clark again. You get what, do you kind of get what I'm saying, Joe, or I do get what you're saying. Right. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm with you. Son of Kal-El is a great book. Superman almost hasn't been written better than in the couple issues he's in Kal-El and the one appearance he was in, uh, Tom Taylor's Nightwing. Right. And prior to that, let's say Mark Russell's Wonder Twins. I agree, but I, there's a slight thing that I like Tom Taylor's a little bit better. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying. It's no, like I'm that's, with you. That's the time frame that like Clark is Clark Superman, right? Yes. And and I get what you're saying. It's sensationalized headlines, and whether that's DC's doing, the reporting's doings, uh, obviously the reactions are going to be out there. But I come from it, you know, kind of from this way. Whether you're going to take someone who's a quote-unquote new character like Jonathan Kent, again, how new is Son of Superman, really, to, at the end of the day, versus Superman, because that's who we're talking about, and whatever we're going to do with their sexual orientations, like, how much crazier is that than, I don't know, turning them electric blue, and then splitting off to being electric red, 
or any other thing that you could do. I just think that today's writers coming up have a different mindset, have a different life experience, have a different whatever, Mm -hmm. and they're going to draw from that life experience and those interactions that they have with people in the real world and put it into their books. And maybe they have a situation, whether it be directly or indirectly, where it was a friend or a relative or they themselves who who went through something like this, you know, uh, questions in regards to their sexuality at a young age or in their late teens or in their early 20s or even today. And if this is the way that they can deal with that, you know, back in the 90s, you would have to do like a black and white fanzine and print it out yourself. No, I, I, I get it. Yeah, and today, you know, writers have a creative outlet that they could do that in like Superman or Batman or Spider-Man. So, you know, obviously wherever I fall and I fall on the side of like, bring it on, let's go. You know, as long as you're telling a good story, you know, have them be pansexual, have them be a furry, you know, do anything, but have it be a good story. I I firmly stand by the good story. And like I said, I'm not gatekeeping or whatever, any of those other words, but I do think when you have a character with 50, like, you know, 60, 70 years of history, do you know what I mean? Like, and then it's like, Oh, by the way, I just, you know, whatever it's, I kind of, kind of, you know, didn't tell anybody for all this time and I get it, but it just seems and like that can happen. So I'm fine with it. But if you do that, with every character that you're going to do it with, with a long history, then, then the stories become the same. I'm just saying case by case basis. Like I had no problem. Like when they did it with Iceman, where it was like, Oh, well, you know, and they kind of played up. Like he was a horn dog in the X-Men. It was like, I was over, you know, trying to hide it over. Like, this is great. Once again, a great, uh, story being told as opposed to if they did it with Superman or actually Batman, I feel it would be done really quick and there's nothing more. And that's when it comes around to back what I say, when it's lazy writing, it's just like, oh, I've been bisexual my whole life. And it's like, okay, we're that, that. And then just, it's from here on down the road, nothing, you know, like we're going to do it that way. I don't know what, if I'm explaining, like I said, if it happens, it happens. And they're good stories. I'm still going to read them. But there's times when I just feel it's like, uh, you could have done a better job doing this. It's very just haphazard. But right. anyway. Uh, so maybe in the same vein of things, but maybe not. Uh, in the rare Joe was right column mm-hmm. uh, at New York Comic Con this past weekend, Brian K. Vaughn officially announced that Saga is coming back, Todd. Yep, I don't have to assault them at Baltimore. It's, well, you you still can if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to say, oh, I missed the news from last week. Right, I'm going to assault him and pumpkin battery him, Joe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but So, uh, yes, this January saga returns. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, of course, uh, said that other than my own family, collaborating with Fiona Staples on Saga is the most important thing in my life, so I can't thank readers and retailers enough for their patience. I think our next 54 issues will be even more uh, shocking, strange, and spectacular than the first 54, so we can't wait to be back on the shelves at your local comic books shops. And uh, they also said that Saga launched during the uh, Image's 20th anniversary, 
<laughs> and now it's returning it during its 30th anniversary. And apparently staying $2.99. Staying $2.99. Are um, you saying they're And holding- saying that we're going to get at least another 54 issues. So yep. what's that on my gazintas? At least another nine years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like the fact that they're officially holding the line at two ninety nine. Um, that that's great. Maybe they'll and who knows? They'll have a letter column too, Joe. But uh, yeah, I just think that's that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. And now the missed opportunity. Um, there's that word again where we could have instead of reading Jonah Hex and the Spider Clone Saga, we could have just reread fifty some issues of uh, Saga for a year, and then we could have rolled right back into the new issues because. I need to reread Saga, man. I'm so like far gone on it. Uh, I probably gonna am gonna take some time, maybe around December ish, mm-hmm. just to uh, kind of take a purview to refamiliarize myself with everything. You know, me too, me too. I think that's gonna be the best uh, thing. And again, I did my math wrong on my gazintas. Uh, if they're doing 54 issues, that's gonna be at least another five and a half years. Right, I thought uh, you were doing a joke because the first fifty some took you know so long, no, and the gap no, no, in between. No. That's me, um, not knowing how to do my gazentas, like I said. Right. And uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, you know, it's only it'll only be from the time that the January issue comes out, Todd. It'll only have been three and a half years since the last issue. But how sweet is that fresh taste going to be when it comes back? Oh, forget about it. I cannot wait. And remember, Joe, if you can think back all those three years ago and beyond, how great Saga's first page of an issue always were. Absolutely. I, and again, I cannot wait. I, I definitely mm-hmm. need to, as you mentioned, go back, look at some of those old issues. Uh, and again, I'm not going to be able to do a full reread of everything, but definitely... Uh, attempt some sort of like refamiliarization, so I'm not hit with that giant gut punch of right. that first page on issue 55. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going back and rereading them all because I got the time. Yeah, well, you're you're a lucky lucky man, Todd. Mm-hmm. I don't have to watch my kid in the pool. Ugh. So I could read comics while he's in the pool, uh, but the pool is going to be closed here shortly. You know. Right, it got right. put up just in time to close. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and you know what? Now for the biggest news of the year, Joe. That's right. Doctor Who is coming to the movies. What? No, Joe, no. <laughs> coming to TV, you doorknob. What if I take my TV to the movie? Like I have one of those little old school Watchmen's, you know? Oh, you could do that. All right. Can I get BBC America on Rabbit Ears? I think you can, but the rabbit ears are on the other side of the TV. Oh, okay. No, tell me. So what's going on? Doctor Who is finally back and better yep. than ever. Yep. The new season starting on Halloween. Ooh, scary. But uh, it's going to be a, a truncated season, only six episodes. Uh, so that I guess it's going to be weekly. They don't have that yet. Cause I don't see any holidays in there, but it's going to lead into the final. That's the final season ish of the, of uh, this doctor 13, Jody, Fo- not Jody Foster. Oh my God. But, uh, so, and then it's going to lead into three specials, uh, in 2022. And then we're going to go into the new doctor. 
as as they all do. And the new showrunner is the one who brought it back in 2005, Russell T. Davies. So I'm looking forward to that. Right. And we'll be watching that like, to get Joe's big old opinion on it. Yeah, listen, you, you had me watch, uh, you know, this doctor, I guess, through their entire iteration. So this is mm-hmm. my doctor, technically. Right. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, you know. Um, some mm-hmm. issues, of course, or some issues, some episodes stronger than others. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I I rib you through Doctor Who, just like you rib me through professional wrestling and sports mm-hmm. and, and, and entertainment. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a busy, co- you know, hopefully it is weekly and it doesn't like overlap so that we're watching like four shows a week. I kind of did the Gozintas. Yeah. And come, uh, come, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, for one week, we will have Stargirl, Why the Last Man, Doctor Who, and I think Legends. Then after that, it will only be Legends and Doctor Who. And then, depending on how long Legends run, that may ro- that may roll into Hawkeye. Right. Yes. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're geniuses of ourselves. That's what we do, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, busy news week. Uh, again, of course, uh, even more news. You can check out all the shows on the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the network, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Oz with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, and new episode of Porch Talk actually dropped today. Uh, yes, it did. You know, these, these shows need to stick to a schedule, come out on a, a distinct time as opposed to this haphazard nature, you know? Right. Uh, but anytime any of the folks from our shows, oh, and I neglected to mention uh, Hit My Music, the newest show on the Soon To Be Named Network, the new episode of that drops uh, on Thursday. And again, that's another one that messes me up because I get the Patreon exclusive of that. So mm. I always forget the actual like uh, release date for the pours. Uh, but anytime any of those shows come out, you can find them all soon to be named network.com. And uh, anytime any of the folks from those shows appear on other shows, you could find them there. I know The Boar was recently on IWTV Guide talking about a very cursed independent wrestling show that he was a part of. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to be on coming up uh, at the end of the month, beginning of November. And me and uh, Charlie Butters, ironically, are going to talk about football helmets. So, you know. Oh, oh my goodness. Can't (laughs) wait to listen to that one. Uh, also check out, uh, Kevin Hellion's, uh, website, Mask Library, a lot of his finds. He's been putting up a lot more videos lately of some of his thrift store, Walmart, Five Below, et cetera, comic book finds, Rick Williams, the chop shop, uh, all the cool resin and glow in the dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Both of those listeners of ours made their very own comic books that you could purchase through Comixology. And if you want physical print media comic books, you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, come to our comic book shop, Comics on the Green, whether it be in person or contact Dave, Max, and the rest of the crew (laughs) about setting up a mail order subscription pull list for you 
weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. You're going to get those books, and you may even get a sketch on them from our good friend Becky. You can check out her process on her social media, and all of this is linked in the show notes of every single one of these episodes of the podcast. I was lucky enough to watch her draw one today. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was nice. I just see the, the process, if you will, Joe. Right. I love the process. She needs to put videos up, not makeup oh. tutorial videos, but, you know, these sort of things. Why not do both? Why she could do both. Yeah. Uh, this week, conventions. Uh, there's the Motor City Comic Con in Novi, Michigan. Uh, more of a comic book themed one. Donnie Cates, Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder, Dan Jurgens, Jim Starlin are all going to be there. So that's some pretty big heavy hitters. Right. Uh, the Indiana Comic Con in Indianapolis, Indiana is this weekend. A little less comic books, more media guests, but who better on media guests can you get than William Shatner and the supper shredder himself, Kevin Nash? One of them's been to space by the time you get it, or will be in space soon. Did you know Is he really going to do that? I know I he think, says that. I think he is. He's going boldly where no you know, actor has gone before. But Bill says a lot of things. I don't know. He says he wrote those Tech World novels. Hey, <laughs> those Tech World novels were ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. They sure were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, mention some digital books. Mention some physical books. There's a ton of sales going on. If we weren't caught up on other Halloween sales last week, we are now. Uh, Dynamite has a ton of stuff. Uh, Chaos Line stuff. James Bond stuff, Vampirella stuff, Army of Darkness and Undead stuff, Marvel having sales on Jessica Jones related stuff, Venom and Carnage related stuff, and Thor, God of Thunder related stuff, Boom having what they're calling a starter sale, which essentially is just a whole bunch of number ones, DC rolling their fandom sale from last week into this week. They just put up a new link to confuse me. And uh, Image, Valiant, and Dark Horse all have Halloween horror sales going on. As I mentioned, if you're a digital f person, especially that DC stuff. DC doesn't usually do um, price uh, cuts on their books. And we haven't mentioned this one in a while. If you're a digital person and you're not a day-and-date person and you don't subscribe to one of the um unlimiteds whether it be comicsology's unlimited dc's unlimited or marvel's unlimited usually after like a six to eight week period those new release books drop in price a little bit except for dc so if you want to own like the digital versions of some of those dc books at a lower price some of the newer stuff and i say newer stuff stuff released within the last like four to five years this is really your only way to get that stuff right so, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Where would you like to begin? Um, I am going to start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which was Nice House on the Lake, uh, number five, uh, by James Tinian IV, and art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Um, uh, this is the uh, issue right before, apparently, the big you know cliffhanger that we're going to go into the break. But uh, this revolves around, basically, the scientist character, who discusses meeting uh, the uh, the person? I, can, I always forget their name. Um, but he, he, talking about the group and everything like that, Walter. And she ends up like you know talking about how uh, one night they were talking, and he was like, "There's so many people," and he ends up doing like some weird 
thing that ends up, you know, showing that he's not human and she forgets, but then ends up like going like, well, we're remembering a lot of things now, like way back in the first issue when that person's hand exploded, they should have died from blood, but they're, you know, lost. They're, they're completely healthy. Um, and she ends up being a scientist breaking down, um, it in like scientific terms, like, what's going on like the let's map the, the the hexagon that they're in and the house and you know what is walter is an alien is he this and here's our symbols and um why did he take us kind of a deal so that's very interesting and then the secrets that have been built up over the past couple of issues are starting to come to fruition when they found find that other house that that someone found the other house on the lake and they're like let's go out and see what's in there. And obviously from a past issue, we saw that it was one of the people who were invited and they were stuck in there. Um, and what happens, I don't want to go into too much, but the ramifications from that, there's a revelation that something may be possible. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's very interesting. Um, I do like this once again, the scientist character and the world building, of to what's going on and everything that we've seen up till now, like the different statues, she's wondering, can they do different things? Cause that one did that. Um, I'm all for it. There's not much more I can say about nice house on the lake other than this book is really good. And I'm going to be sad when we get to issue six and it goes on a break and comes back at Substack. I'd like to think it's not going to come back <laughs> at Substack. Right. Stop saying that. I know. Um, but I did like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the people that are in the house, mm -hmm. uh, getting everything together and they wrote everything down on a whiteboard. Yeah. Uh, nothing better than the scene in a, in a comic or a movie or a TV show or whatever, where everyone writes everything down on a whiteboard right? to get yep. all the information together to figure out who knows what and how, and try to figure out whatever the mystery or the riddle that's going on is. Mm -hmm. Um, but this, I don't want to, and again, I don't want to give the wrong idea and say that this was a meta issue because it wasn't, but I think for the characters and what they've been going through, I think this ends up being a meta issue because this is the first time where they start kind of acknowledging publicly to each other how weird everything is. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging, like, the symbols that they have. And then where they find those symbols reoccurring elsewhere. Right. Without giving away too much. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lot of times when we, as a reader, see a character or maybe one or two characters discovering these sort of things. But we, the reader, are seeing all of the characters discovering these things and sharing this information and calling it out for being odd or weird or strange or whatever, which very rarely does not happen this quickly in a story. And I say quickly, five issues into a 12-issue miniseries. Mm -hmm. But it's because things have escalated so, so, so drastically so quickly, the characters have kind of said like, hey, we can't be keeping secrets. We can't be messing around because how many times have we talked and watched any sort of form of media, whether before the show or just for our own personal pleasure? It's like we could have saved or these characters could have saved <laughs> so much time and trouble with each other if they just spoke to each other. Right. See Stargirl later, but go ahead. Okay. See Stargirl later. See the flash. Mm -hmm. 
how much of those last seasons of The Flash was tension was built for an episode or a story arc or for a season was because we didn't want to tell our soulmate what was going on. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to keep it a secret. And these people are not soulmates, but they have a connection. And I, I like that bit of the story that this trope that we typically see in these sort of forms of storytelling that are used to extend a storyline are just being like, we can't do this. We need to get everything, like lay all of our cards on the table and figure out what this is. Cause this is bad. And the longer it goes on, possibly the worse it's going to get. Right. Uh, but I really like this book. So do I. And I think I saw our friend Becky said that it's good that the, uh, the, the planned nine month hiatus of this book, coincides with the return of saga now so it'll be almost like uh you know there won't be any gaps in you know good storytelling of this caliber yep there'll be quality well i think we'll get one month won't we uh i think so unless you know banking on the last issue being late let's say that right because it'll be november for six Mm -hmm. and then bang you know that'll leave december with no saga or uh nice house on the lake so but we'll you know we'll fill it with something so right uh, so the other book that we both read was Dark Ages number two, written by Tom Taylor, uh, with art by Iban Coelho. First issue, we got uh, the catalyst event that caused this universe of the Marvel universe to go into Dark Ages, like the title, All Power, All Everything is Gone. Mm-hmm. And toward the last couple pages of that issue, we start to see some of the clicks, some of the groupings of people that are all set up. And this is the issue where maybe one of the bigger ones makes their big move. Um, you know, they, and again, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler because it depends on what cover you got. I think they're on most of the covers. Uh, but Apocalypse, who I'm a big fan of whenever Apocalypse shows up, uh, he's like Kang for me. <laughs> and when the Apocalypse shows up in the Kang comic book, it's like, ooh, double feature, you know? Right. Uh, he is uh, attempting to get together all of the best minds uh, in the Marvel Universe to get on his side to, you know, rebuild everything, uh, to rebuild power, to rebuild technology, to rebuild all these things. Uh, obviously not for the greater good of everyone else, uh, but obviously Apocalypse has a, a ulterior motive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this issue. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I enjoyed it. There was some uh, interesting twists and turns uh, along the way. Um, I my my I, you know it's not. Uh, the, like my favorite Tom Taylor story that's, you know, like I will say, but I I'm enjoying this, but I do like the building, like in the way that they're like, well, how do we protect ourselves? You know, we build webs and what that means, because it's a bigger thing in that it's the webs that, that Peter, you know, spins and also the web of communication that they do with the telepaths. Um, but you know, this isn't the greatest story ever, but I, I, I like it and I'm willing to see where it goes. Um, like I said, there was one or two things that I liked and then like what, uh, uh apocalypse's wild card is I'm kind of cool with. So always fantasy that character. So yeah. I'm good, you know, and the fact that, you know, doom's on the good side, uh, they're going to win, man. You think so? Oh, do- 
Doom declares it. So I so I guess where my only concern of this is, at least in the first issue, and a lot of the advertising and a lot of the whatever for this issue, they're really pointing you, and you mentioned about the webs, right? I think the book is attempting to sell us uh, a little bit more of the importance on how much the spider family people are going to play in all of this. Because mm-hmm. right now they seem to be a little more than just like featured players. They don't seem to be like real actual stars and everything that's going on. Right. But I think by the way the story is being told of like, oh, don't forget the spider people are here. Don't forget the spider people are here. That it's going to be like this big thing where they're a key part of what saves everything in the end. Right. I just look at it as, you know, that's what sells spider people. So... I guess X people sell. Well, there's your apocalypse. Yeah, that's true. You know, you have a couple of clawed people in there that are have Wolverine-esque, and you're all good to go. God. But I like it. I like you know a, a, a alternate reality sort of storyline for the Marvel universe always works pretty cool. Get to see some cool designs. Mm-hmm. Get to see some different alignments and stuff. And in the hands of a competent creative team, you know, that makes it a little bit more palpable, I guess. <laughs> when I we know, you. really, at the end of the day, this story means nothing. Right. It doesn't mean nothing if you enjoyed it, Joe. Exactly. It? Right. So. But it's not some sort of, like, big uh, continuity shaking, what have you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, uh, which is a link to all the books that are coming out this week when you check the link on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, but before, before Warren, before Arm, know what's coming out before you head to the shop on Wednesday. Take into consideration that you don't make two trips, so you're not just a DC person. Right. Uh, Todd and I also list what we're looking forward to coming out this week. We also attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I did regain my lead last week with one correct guess over Todd. I've got the biggest amount of books I've had on one given week all year. Can Todd figure out the riddle? Okay, let me look at your books, Joe. Could it be Second Coming, Only Begotten Son? You like, you know, Mark Russell. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Also, he did Dead Box. Right. You did say Kang the Conqueror was always a go-to for yourself, right? That's true. That's true. Um, Six Sidekicks to Trigger Keaton. Cult favorite on this show, right? Yep, yep. Jo- Joker, we both really, really like. Um, Blue and Gold, you know, back in the day, you know, Justice League International. It can't be inferior five trade paperback because that was never coming out, Joe. So is the book you're looking forward to most, The Immortal Hulk number 50, the climax to the 50-part saga of Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk? Uh, It would be, of course. Right. And I'm going to guess that that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is, but that's only because, like I said, Inferior five didn't come out, you know, just that wasn't going to happen. 
the way well, you I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get the trade. I'm just gonna rip out the last two issues and throw the rest away. Right. You remember when you said you were right about Saga at the beginning of the show? Right. This evens it out, Joe. Yeah. Right. So you're back to bat in 500. I'll take it. Right. Usually batting zero, you know, so I'll take 500 any day. That is true. The the best hitters in baseball only hit like 320-something, you know? So if I'm doing there 500, I'm way better than all of them. I think one guy did it for over 400 once, and they put his head in a freezer, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Stan Musial? Um, I thought you were going to say Stan Malibu there. No. He don't listen to this, but I've been giving Stan what for on Twitter these days. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it is. So, uh, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we uh, have done here, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing sensation of Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are looking at the mid to late 2000s run on Jonah Hex from Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, and the hopefully no longer maligned, maybe redeeming itself, who knows, Spider-Clone Saga? Maybe. Maybe. All right, so who starts, me? You start since you started the show, yes, sir. All right, so uh, let's see if it redeemed itself. This uh, we're, I'm doing Spectacular Spider-Man 231. Yeah, I got to get my notes. Go ahead. Yep. Let me look at uh, the top of the first issue, and it says The Return of Kane, Part 1. Son of a... Uh, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to redeem himself, Joe. Um, so basically, Kane is alive and well. He wakes up, and there's a bunch of uh, superheroes, or, or, or superpowered people, basically, saying. And I guess, uh, basically, uh, Shane Fitzpatrick, whose name is Omuse. Um, Shannon Fitzpatrick. Shannon, uh, you're right. I said Shane. Um, but is it O Muse or just Muse? So it's just Muse because mm-hmm. in this issue they do one of my favorite things in comics, and they write her dialogue with an accent. Oh, that's right. Because Kane's in the b- back in to land Olin Eleven, Joe. Oh, I hate that. So she basically is like, calm down after he fights them. Um, Spider-Man, which is Ben Riley's, you know, swinging through the city and he's happy to have the, the daily grind back, you know, literally as he works at the daily grind and he goes in there talking about TV that it eats your brain. Um, kind of like that. Uh, I forget if it's here or later. I don't know, like that Mysterio TV show or network that it's hinted at and all this. So uh, I don't know if, we know that Mysterio runs a TV thing, but anyway, um, and then we cut to James Johnsmeyer. He was the creator of the great game and he ends up losing a, a woman in a bet. And they basically run down what the great game is. Once again, like, you know, his, his people, everybody gets a person, a champion, if you will, and they fight each other, or go after a prize. And it's kind of explained, but he ends up, you know, saying that he wants Kane to be his champion because Omuse uh, is hurt and can't do it. So he's going to do that. And like Kane's trying to get caught up because he's having bad dreams again or uh, visions. And uh, 
he gets the job offer from uh, the, the guy who runs the great game. And he's like, I want nothing to do with that. I won't be manipulated ever again. He tries to run um, and he tells the gang to, you know, bring him down. But Omuse stops him with her powers. And he, she's like, let's go out. Let's leave because I have the powers of persuasion. But take me with you. Um, and the issue ends at the smokestack where uh, they dropped the clone in all those years ago. Um, they're knocking it down and they find a skeleton wearing a Spider-Man costume to be continued in Sensational Spider-Man. Did I miss uh, anything, Joe? No, that pretty much hits everything. Um so we get the uh, footnote in the next issue, but Kane was dead for exactly four issues in our time. Okay. Uh, where they made a big deal about the death of Kane, and now four, literally four issues later, he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, we did skip over the great game stuff. A lot of that great game stuff was in the uh, two months that we skipped regarding the books being rebranded as Scarlet Spider books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care about the great game stuff. It means so nothing in the grand scheme of everything. Right. And, uh, I have in my notes, um, another expletive deleted clone skeleton. Oh boy. Cause he says later in this issue, he's like, I thought I was done with this clone stuff. Me too, Ben. Me too. Right. So this issue starts out and I'm a little confused, Joe. Maybe you can help Sen- me. Cause sensational number two. Right. The Return of Kane, part two of four. And he's Ben is thinking about the smokestack that he was thrown into where he was like, oh, but I was actually the real one. And I thought I was the clone. How can there possibly be a spider skeleton there? Um, I guess he read the paper or something beforehand. Right. Because it's very weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't show him finding out is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I guess... Maybe they were demolishing the building. That from Spectacular 231 is unclear. And that's when they find that. And it makes the headlines on the newspaper. At the beginning of this issue, Ben is not clear in relaying that that's how he saw this information. He's telling us, the reader, that like he just knows this information. Right. It seems like he's having a cane vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which kind of throws me off. But he's like getting that... uh, Jess her coffee the you know the death wannabe uh character um so he's like well I'll get your coffee but then the owner's like well you have to do some some errands so he's like all right I'll I'll, I'll go and uh who's the the female the uh, you know who I mean the the sexy one the blonde yeah, the fashion plate yes that's the word I couldn't think of um she shows up and they end up talking about a party for Ben and they're both going to go and Jess is sad because she, she's going to go. The fashion plate's going to go. Um, Ben's trying to figure out what's going on with this, the skeleton. That's where he's heading. Um, and, and while that's going on, Jonah, he doesn't want his best reporters on it. He's going to go cover it himself at the morgue. Um, so Kane and Omuse are going, you know, trying to get away and they end up getting attacked by the rhino because as you said, it's kind of like what every other issues, like a classic than a new villain. So well, we're back so, the, up. so the spectacular issues 
um, the the Dan Jurgens issues here are supposed to be Dan Jurgens kind of reintroducing or using some of those classic Spider-Man villains. Yes. Okay, so it's the Rhino. Ben breaks into the morgue and finds because and th- th- this is actually what I, I do like this part of the story. He's like. I'm going to go break into the morgue and I'm going to go look and see the, he's like, I'll know I made the costume. I'll know if it's real or if it's a fake. And he ends up going in, finding the body and open it up. And he's like, it's, it's real. Um, I don't know what that is, but I can't let them kind of have, you know, have this body. Like, cause obviously he's probably got his DNA or whatever. Cause it's a spider clone. Um, he's going to get out of there. Then Jonah shows up and he ends up, uh, uh, bribing his way into the morgue once again, you know, timely Hootie and the Blowfish references, Joe. What is this, our second one now? Uh, so I was going to, that's in my notes. Uh, so we did skip, you know, we read issue zero of, uh, of Sensational Spider-Man. We skipped issue one and now here's issue two. So in the two issues of Sensational Spider-Man that we read, each one had a Hootie and the Blowfish reference in it. So it's, it's batting a thousand for Hootie and the Blowfish reference. Yes. Oh, good. But uh, so Ben uh, ends up as he's stealing the body, runs into Jay Jonah. And, you know, obviously Jay Jonah doesn't trust Spider-Man. He ends up webbing him on the eyes, which I always find amusing whenever Spider-Man gets the upper hand on, uh, you know, Jonah. Back at the Ben's apartment, they're having the party. The fashion plate is looking sexy. Uh, Buzz is being intoxicated. And even Jeff's, you know, is wearing this, this, you know, the, the fanciest duds she can find. And every, like, you know, uh, the woman who owns the coffee house is like, yeah, I can, you know, I could tell. I'd have to be blind not to notice uh, the, you know, attraction. Um, back to Ben, who's basically playing grave robber through the city, hauling a dead body around with him, which I think might be a very Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Ben Riley thing. I just like the idea of, I don't know, that's very, like, you know, Parker Luck, if you will. I got to carry a dead body. Ends up finding Omuse and Rhino and Kane. And he's like, oh, God, Kane. I thought he, you know, he was dead. Um, he, they end up fighting. Peter, uh, Ben ends up uh, getting away. But finding his corpse, goes home, uh, webs up his corpse outside the window, <laughs> goes in and finds uh, Jess, who uh, was telling him about the party. Um, and, and I do like he's quick on his feet. This part is actually good. Like, what happened? Oh, the rhino was fighting downtown with Spider-Man. And I got caught in the rubble. That's why I'm bruised. So that's a good excuse. He's faster on his feet than Peter ever was. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm here for what's this? She's like, oh, there was a party, a surprise party. He's like, oh, sorry, I missed it. Or if I knew about it, I would have tried to get home. She's like, well, that's a surprise party. And then she's like, um, they start, you know, coming on to each other and Ben goes, look, let's be careful here. I mean, I, you hardly know me. I hardly know you. And she goes, then maybe we should get to know one another better and work out those skeletons in your closet later, cut to his skeleton hanging outside the window. I was like, I don't know if that's the greatest ending of a comic issue or the worst, but okay, this issue was better. But then again, Dan Jurgens is the better writer. So um, this issue, I didn't mind as much and it had the rhino. So, yeah. So this one I think is getting its um, footing a little bit better. You know, we, we talked in issue zero where it felt as though it was, Definitely like a Marvel character written by a DC lifelong writer. So it just felt weird, you know? 
Um, I thought it was funny that they were doing a house a housewarming party for Ben and they were going to buy him a TV. Yes. That was a very of the time sort of thing to do. Um, right. I think I mentioned before the great game stuff um, yeah. really means nothing in the greater scheme of everything. Um, the Mysterio stuff also sadly means nothing in the greater scheme of the spider clone saga. It was just supposed to be like some sort of stopgap before we get back into spider clone stuff. And now what do we hear? It's, you know, we're four months, four issues of whatever. Uh, well, let's say six, because it was the four issues in between of Spectacular, plus the two issues of Spectacular that were renamed Spectacular Scarlet Spider. So it's six months since Kane is now back, and now it's six months since we're back into more Spider-Clone nonsense in these right. books. Yep. Um, so now is it clone garbage all the way to the end? Yes. So did we really have any vacation from the clone stuff? The to, the, and that's the thing. we did, but it was the stuff that didn't matter. It was okay, the, that's what I thought you were saying. It was, the, was right because it's it was the two issue, the two months where all the books went to Scarlet Spider, where it was all great game stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only thing that came out of that was that Seward Trainer is now in a coma but trapped in the virtual reality world, right? And then just because you know, you're, we're all over the place, the Peters, there's there's Peter stuff going on too, right. Or so no. there, he, there was a mini series that was wrapping up. It was uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, The Last Adventure. Okay? okay. And again, it was just a nothing storyline where Peter, and at the end, Peter and Mary Jane moved to Washington State. So they're on the right, other yeah. side of the country. It's to try to get them off the board as much as we can. Okay. That's what I thought. I was, because I thought at some point, and it was all the great game stuff that there was Peter Parker stuff going on too. All no. the way Ben was running around the country. Do you know what I mean? The, again, that Peter Parker, the last adventure was supposed to write Peter Parker, the one that we've read for all these years off to reestablish Ben as the one true Peter Parker going forward. Gotcha. I got, I'm, I'm all 100% on board now. And we're six months into that. And they're already starting the course to get back to, <laughs> reversing all of it right just give me super fast aging ninja kids no no but it ain't much better right i mean so maybe maybe it's better right you want to do some jonah hex now clean that yeah out? jonah hex uh so issue 53 with art by bill tucci of she fame mm -hmm. uh draws joan a little too pretty for my liking i'll say but boy, does he draw showgirls. But he sure does draw showgirls. So the uh, episode, uh, the episode, the issue is called Dance Hall Girl. Uh, and Jonah shows up at a dance hall looking for the services of a young lady. Uh, she rebuffs uh, Jonah, thinking that Jonah wants her for uh, matters of ill repute. But no, no, that's not the case. Out of character somewhat for Jonah. He has an elaborate scheme that he wants to pull uh, to get the drop on the uh, Hager brothers, Jeb and Walt, not to be confused with Jake, <laughs> um, where he's going to hire her for an acting bit. And uh, he's like, well, it'll pay more than what it would be if I was going to hire you to do the other thing. And it's no more dangerous than standing in the middle of the road. So what do you have to lose? Here's an advance on it. You think about it. and You come see me. I'll be drinking here. 
Uh, so the the Hager brothers are going to do a train robbery, and uh, they tell they hold up the con- or the the conductor or the person at like uh, where you go through on the train controls the engineer? like engineer and is like, hey, you say that there was a fire at the Somerset station, and you guys got to go through to Blue Mesa. You guys go through Blue Mesa, and that's where we're going to come. We're going to raid the train, and we're going to rob the train. So they do this, and they're going through the cars, and the dance hall girl, Lana, that Jonah Hex hired, is there posing as a grieving widow. Um, and, th- and they're like, oh, you know, hey, we're just here to rob the train. We're not here to get you. And the other brother is like, well, wait a minute. A lot of times these people are buried with all of their fancy valuables. So let's see what's going on in here. Jonah pops out of the coffin, starts sh- shooting guns ablazes. But it wasn't the actual Hager brothers or there were more Hager brothers than just these two. Um, I don't think those were the Hager brothers. I think they were just part of the Hager brother gang. Okay. So that's the thing. When you think it's the Hager brothers and then it's the Hager brother gang, they got gang members. Uh, Jonah is going to turn everyone in, but then Lana double crosses him. Cause I guess she's in bed with the Hager brothers. Yes. She's, she's in bed with a third Hager brother. And there's a third Hager brother. You'd think they would let us know all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, uh, Jonah makes a comeback, uh, gets over on all of them. And as I mentioned that while Billy Tucci draws a very pretty Jonah Hex, he also draws a very pretty of ple- people getting their faces and the tops of their heads blown off. Right. This was a fine story. Um, I do like the fact the way he gets revenge on the dance hall girl. Oh, yeah. He shoots her in the spine so she can never dance again. Right. And that's the actual name of the issue is you'll never dance again. Oh, okay. The end. Because they, uh, they put the title at, at the end of the book instead of the beginning to, to throw you off, Joe. Right, right. So, um, I say, I don't want to say this out of character for Jonah, but Jonah usually isn't this calculated where he's setting up like these grand schemes and not killing people, but giving them a punishment that fits what they are or who they are or what they did. Mm-hmm. Usually Jonah's just about collecting bounties and shooting people in the face. I will say though, I, and I've read past issues like the Bronze Age, when he was m- severely outnumbered like this, he would usually try to come up with a plan. If need be, it's like there's five of them, I can take them. Um, there was, I don't know, like maybe 10 or sm- like more in this. He's like, I'm going to do this plan. I'm going to take them out one at a time kind of a deal. And that's kind of the, the way it works. So I get what you're saying, but that, that's the way I look at it as it was a, when he needs a plan, he'll use a plan. Mm-hmm. So uh, next issue 54, Joan is on the trail of three bank robbers. Uh, one gets shot. One falls to his death. The other one is back. And of course this runs Jonah afoul of the local lawman, which typically never happens in a Jonah hack story. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, listen, the other two are dead. The other one's here. Pay me my bounty for the three. I'll be drinking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, while at the bar, one of the bar ladies that are there uh, is Shula, who is Pedro's sister, Pedro's younger sister from a previous story several months back. Right, with the woman who had her lips cut off. That was uh, yes. Pedro's girlfriend. But go ahead. Yes. 
So as Jonah recognizes her, they have a little tete-a-tete. Um, she notices that Jonah's horse is being stolen. Uh, so Jonah, of course, looks out the window. And uh, again, this is the quote from the uh, issue, of course. The only thing that's left outside is a donkey. And Jonah says, whoever owns that ass outside, $10 to lend her to me. And uh, Shula says, what? I was only going to charge you five. I love Shula. Uh, she's she's a great foil for Jonah and his, uh, you know, his usual stubbornness as he rides a bucking mule that sends him flying, of course. Right. Good comic relief. Yeah. You don't get that very often, but it wasn't uh, done as a disservice to Jonah. Yes. The last comic relief we had was Mosquito Joe. Chaco. Yeah, so. and uh, things turned out well for him. Yes, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, so the the mule tosses Jonah from the what have you, and we see a shadowy character come upon Jonah, maybe cover him up, hide him from whatever, uh, you know, maybe concussion, maybe broken skull that he got from getting bucked. Uh, but it puts him into a perfect opportunity chance to get the fell on some banditos and we learned that the person who helped Jonah out was Starman yet another person from past issues of this run returning in and I like when we get a chance to see these past folks show up right um so then uh the you know Jonah goes back to town the sheriff essentially attempts to frame Jonah for him being the one that robbed the bank or at least admitting to it and has all of his deputies go alongside with him. And they kind of sort of force the banker to agree so that they can hang Jonah instead of just killing him by making a big to do of it in the town square. Of course, um, it'll kind of prove their point that they don't put up with uh, these sort of desperados, banditos, what have you. Right. Mm hmm. So now it's up to uh, 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 Shula and Starman to bust Jonah out. And again, of course, Jonah is his usual cantankerous self. Uh, things maybe do get a little lecherous, maybe off panel with uh, Shula and the uh, deputies. No matter, Jonah gets out of jail, shoots everyone in the face as he is wont to do. And... Uh, uh, then really, uh, that's the end of it, right? Yeah. Uh, another kind of sort of, you know, like not huge plot moving issue, but it was like the return of past characters, you know? Yeah. Though the one thing that I think maybe you kind of missed is at the end, Joan is like, listen, kid, I saved you from, a, you know, a lot, you know, I saved you when you were a kid, you hate lawman. Like, when are you going to hang this up? I know they killed your father, but he's like, no, it's fine. He's like, uh, you're, and he basically tells him, you're a killer, same as me, and you know uh, I can't have the good life because if I get the good life, um, once we care for something, someone's there to take it away. And he's like, and he basically kind of tells him, like, you know, you got something good. And there's a shot of Chula in the window, and she's like, "Are you coming? Uh, you know, up? Are you okay?" And she's like, "Go inside, be there for a minute." And he ends up looking up at her, and then off to Jonah me knowing that this is the last we're ever going to see a Chula and Starman um it to me it's implied that he tells him like give it up like you've killed you have all those things on your chest all those badges you killed enough men you don't know enough to when you got a good thing in front of you 
hang it up, go live with Chula and be happy for the rest of your life. And that's, I feel like if the book had went on, maybe we would have saw him again, but because I know he's not coming back, um, that's the way I perceive this ending. But that's just me open to interpretation, you know? For sure. But again, as you say, these characters don't come back. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Right. That I can remember. You know, we're closing on 20 issues left, and I, I'm 99.99% sure that uh, Starman doesn't come back. But Chula would be a lesser, you know, she would come back, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really remember. But you get what I'm saying. Anyway. Right, and they and uh, Starman for sure doesn't show up in the All Star Western New Fifty Two run, or I would have not been surprised by him when he showed up uh, elsewhere. You know? Yeah, I don't think he did. So yeah. So uh, next week, uh, again, it's two more issues. Again, Amazing Spider Man four oh nine and Spider Man sixty six. Parts three and four of the return of Kane, which have very little actual Kane in them. And Jonah Hex issues 55 and 56. Which I think 56, I want to say, is right around where the movie came out at this time. Ah, yeah, we're hitting. Right. Anyway. So, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack as I put my notes away and vamp for a second as I bring up Todd's art attack um, from Dave Markowski. Um, here's a art attack from New York Comic Con 2021 art booze and fun. I'm going to hit the booze and fun first. Um, there's a great shot of them at the Prodigy booth or whatever for Paramount uh, Plus. And there's a bunch of people there drinking. Thanos is having an energy drink, I think. Uh, Duffman's there and Batman all having a good time. And then apparently, I guess he picked up a, I'm going to guess a print, which is a awesome Aliens versus Predator print with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sigourney Reaver as their characters from said movies. But it's a cool Contra video game cover take. Um, I really like that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a really fun one. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm I'm surprised someone out there hasn't done like a homebrew of Contra or a Predator or an Aliens type video game where it's like an eight bit side scrolling thing mm-hmm. where you pick your player one and player two as whatever Arnold's name in every movie is Arnold, except for Last Action Hero, where his name is Jack Slater uh, <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver as Ripley where those are your player one and player two and like a side scrolling adventure, like homebrew. Like obviously you couldn't sell that because you're, you're, you're infringing on multiple IPs at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, you know I what? That would be a fun one. But not naming Arnold Schwarzenegger's name in uh, predator. That's going to get you in Dutch Joe. Okay. Isn't that the movie with Ed O'Neill? Yes, that is. But his name is Dutch in the movie. So. Oh, okay. It's Arnold. Right. No, it's Dutch. He's Arnold in every movie. What what, what, what are we doing here? Thank God nobody was on the gas for Predator the movie, though. What? They weren't. They couldn't have been. They were, you know, they were svelte. There were slender reeds on that show, on that movie. And I forget, and again, this works better if I knew uh, what Carl Weathers' name was in that movie. Uh, What's the matter? Got soft pushing pencils? Oh, and then they stay, they lock arms. He, uh, he was Dylan, Joe, by the way. Um, oh, Dylan. But, uh, and then I would love to see 
uh, Ventura in that movie is like, uh, you know, are, was anybody doing steroids? Then? No, nobody was doing steroids anymore on Predator or any less. And that's uh, like even just a, a joke of that. Uh, we couldn't even say any of the rest of Jesse Ventura's lines from that film. Oh, but people said them a lot in the 80s. It sure did. Not us, though. I think um, John Gruden said those lines. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe he could get away. It's like, I was just quoting my favorite lines from the film Predator. There you go. Somebody contact his lawyer and use that as a defense, please. I think the only line you could use is they're, du- they're dug in deeper than an Alabama tick on a hound. That's the only line you can use. Okay. My kid did turn 10 this week, and I saw Predator when I was 10, so maybe we'll watch that this oh, week. Can I come over and watch you watching the kid watching Predator? No. Okay. I was talking with someone online yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Yesterday was the, like, whatever anniversary of Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out. And I'm like, oh, I really like, I really like that movie, and I would love to have my kids see it. But I'm like, I saw it when I was 12. <laughs> I don't think my kid can handle it at like whatever, you know? Right. I know uh, you love that movie so much because you were willing to buy a glass with the sucker's premium. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So. All right. So, uh, hey, uh, longboxheroes.com. Go check out our store. You can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, maybe if you don't want to pay, like, whatever the shipping is. I don't know. I'm going to be at the LVAC show on the 22nd of mm-hmm. October. Uh, so, you know, maybe contact me and I'll bring them with me. Yeah, contact me if you're going to Baltimore. Yeah, there you go. And I'll make sure to get some to Todd so you can get them off him. Uh, if you want even more designs inspired by this show, After Dark, uh, Hit my music, Final Wrestling Place, at Oz with Wrestling. You can t- head over to our T Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Everything is 35% off uh, until Monday, uh, whether you get those logos on uh, cell phone covers, notebooks, throw pillows. T Public offers a wide variety of things that you can get designs on. Uh, you can sign up for our Patreon, $5 a month. We'll get you After Dark three days before everyone else. Uh, it'll also get you our two bonus shows a month. Uh, six never seen movies. Todd gives me six movies I've never seen. I give him six movies he's never seen. We alternate uh, this month. Uh, this week, actually, we'll be recording a Polish vampire in Burbank. Nailed it. And uh, maybe if you listen to After Dark, there might be some hints as to what my final movie will have to be. I will reveal what the actual real final movie was supposed to be and uh, how I kind of worked myself into a shoot on that one. <laughs> Doug worked you into a shoot on that one. I'll, Doug can do whatever he wants to me. Uh, <laughs> Careful. <laughs> uh, and then the other one is previewing the past where we look at uh, 30 years ago that month's uh, previews catalog. And, uh, you know, you sign up for the Patreon, you know, you can get, uh, you know, if you're the type of person who likes everything on one feed, I always put the main show up there for free. Um, I put previewing, previewing the past, we put some of the scans from the previous catalog up there. On any Patreon level, you get the entire catalog uh, for that month's preview that are available. And all that stuff is up there. If you've never been a patron before, you can go in, throw your five bucks 
get that whole back catalog, and then you'll have tons of stuff to look at, listen to, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another way to help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. Uh, They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, the book Animal Crackers Circus Mayhem by Scott Christian Sava. Okay. Uh, somebody purchased a Star Wars Mandalorian Funko Pop of Fennec Shand. Ooh. Fennec Shand. <laughs> okay, Letterman. Uh, somebody also purchased... Star Power Man Wizard Quality Round Frame Glasses. Oh, I guess somebody's going as, uh, you're a wizard, Harry, for Halloween. Uh, Somebody also purchased, and this was almost the movie that I was going to have as uh, my final movie to assign to you, but I myself had never seen it, uh, so I could not vouch for the quality of said film. Uh, And it was a film called Pizza Man. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's a film where Frankie Muñez of Malcolm in the Middle plays a superhero who's also a pizza man. Ooh, double threat. Now, Todd, if that does not suck you in, let me read you some of the cast of this film as well. Corbin Burnson is in this film. Oh, he's breaking the L.A. law by being in this. <laughs> Shelley Long is in this film. My long for Shelley in this movie. Adam West is in this film. I won't I won't besmirch Adam West. Uh Diamond Dallas Page is in this film. Oh god, I'm not even gonna touch that one. And uh not Dan, <laughs> but I guess if we can't get him, we'll get Stan Lee to be in this. Are you saying legendary Dan Lee lookalike Stan Lee is in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Joe, don't bury the lead. No, you're supposed to you're supposed to end with the big punch. Oh, oh damn no. me, love them. But thank you uh, for anyone uh, who made any purchases this week, this month, this year, or whenever. Um, the deal is still going on. You sign up for the Amazon Music Unlimited, the Audible Premium Plus. You sign up for the three uh, the free three month trial if you're eligible. You sign up on a Monday. You cancel on a Tuesday. We still get what they call the bounty. Five bucks on the Audible Premium Plus, uh, $3 on the Amazon Music Unlimited. Right. Give it a try. You might like it. I don't know. I just had my free trial of uh, YouTube Premium end, and my kid was very upset that it ended on his birthday. Oh, maybe I'll get him a YouTube Premium for his birthday and a copy of Predator and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I already own those. I already have copies of those. Oh, okay. I want the unrated versions. I got those, too. Oh. You got twenty. You got twenty one. I got twenty two. You're the one who said it, Todd. Not me. Right. Not me. Uh so I think that's it. Let's get into the talk. Sure. Would you like me to start with Starman, Star Girl? I'd like you to start with Star Girl, but yes. Yes, because we were using Starman during Jonah Hex. Basically, Starman, uh, Starman, jeez, is Star Girl is broken up into three like 
storylines. Um, the shortest one probably is Barbara coming home from work because of the big storm. Everybody's like, you know, rushing to get undercover because there's a storm coming to Blue Valley. Um, she's on her way home from work and the car stalls and rain starts coming down. She gets locked in and Icicle is saying he's alive in the back seat. She doesn't believe it's him. You're an eclipse of illusion. Um, he's like, no, I'm I'm real, and like ice is forming and everything. Um, this this storm is me. She's like, no, no, no. Um, a, a whiff of the shade shows up, and he's like, so I'll, the car started. Eclipse in your head. Just go. Um, he ends up saving her. Kind of a deal from the vision. She's driving home. That's pretty much that storyline. Um, the second storyline is Mike is having the same thing. Um, Eclipso is attacking him, obviously trying to break up all anybody that could help the JSA. Um, and it, they end up, he ends up giving a vision of Icicle's kid who comes to get revenge for killing his father. Um, he's trying to say, I've never did it. Icicle's like, yeah, you had more time with your mother, but wait, she's not your mother. You're abandoned by your mother. He's like, who told you that? They go on. He ends up pretending, well, to show him that he froze uh, Buddy, the dog, and killed him. And he freaks out. Um, Icicle in his dream is about to kill him. And Courtney shows up with the Starman staff, Stargirl staff, the staff. And by touching it, makes the visions go away, a la kind of way Beth's goggles do. Um, now to the, you know, grand prime numero uno storyline, which is pretty much a time's past story. Pat's remembering um, information about Eclipso that we may have learned in the past that he was hiding something from Courtney. One was that Eclipso had killed Dr. Midnight's daughter. Um, and the other was what we're going to find out um, in it. Uh, they're at the funeral for Dr. Midnight's kid. Um, the mother's blaming Dr. Midnight. The rest of the JS JSA is there discussing stuff. Wildcat, uh, Starman, Pat's there. I'm going to try to remember some of the others. And they're all giving uh, Pat grief. That's the one thing that's going to show up. So while that's going on, uh, who shows up but Jay Garrick, played by John Wesley Ship Joe, which... I knew about. I don't know if you did, but I popped hard when he walked out. Did you know? Uh, I, had a, I, I didn't know. I had a feeling that he was. If they were going to do that era, uh, Jay Garrick, whatever, it was going to be him. Right. He's up, he's on the payroll. I figured it was going to be him. It was still cool, a nice surprise to see him show up. But yes. Right. But I do like he shows up and he's like, "Hey, this is going on," um, and Pat starts asking him questions. And one of the other, like JSA, it might have been Wildcat. He's like, hey, JSA, you know, only JSA people ask questions. And J Jay Garrick wants none of it. And he just starts answering Pat's question. Like everybody in the JSA, other than Thunderbolt, and now Jay steps on Pat and like kind of belittles him. But Jay is totally respectful. And I love that. So um, he gives him some information that maybe, you know, something came from uh, the the whole thing with, uh, which was the beginning of the episode, that Bruce Gordon was an explorer and he maybe brought the diamond back a la, you know, Eclipso and he's possessed by it. So um, they end up, you know, thinking more about it. And in the end, uh, 
well, not in the end, but Shade shows up at the funeral to talk to Starman, and Pat's like, what's going on? Like, let me go. If he was going to try and fight us, it wouldn't be here at a funeral, and he wouldn't have came face-to-face. So he goes off. Um, then he comes back to the JSA thing, talks to Pat, and he ends up saying, I was given the information um, that we have to kill the host as long as we don't touch the diamond and put it away. Uh, he will be, you know, trapped in the diamond again. And Pat's like, we don't kill. The JSA does not kill. And he's like, well, you know, we have to think about it. And he's like, you know, we don't. And Starman's like, you're right, we don't. Um, So later on, they come back and he's like, I can't, what happened? He's like, the rest of the JSA got wiped out. Green Lantern, not wiped out, but got, you know, beaten. Uh, Dr. Fate, Spectre, all of them. So, uh, we have to make a decision what we're going to do. And Jay, uh, our man, star man, I forget who the fourth one was. They come down and they're like, you're not a JSA or, but we need you to break the tie. So uh, whether we should kill Bruce Gordon or not. And I like the way they're like, we need your help, but we're just going to totally disrespect you the whole time. Like don't ask questions, just answer. And in the end it's a tie goes to Starman and Pat's like, well, Starman's the, the tie, the tiebreaker and he won't do it. You know, we won't, we don't kill. And Starman's like, we kill where this is the one time I have family. This is not going to happen. And they're like, he can't believe it. He drives them. Pat drives them to the house. They go in, he's waiting for them to come out. And I do like the scene where Starman comes out and he's like, it's like, yeah, Pat, you're right. JSA doesn't kill. And Pat looks like kind of genuinely relieved, but then he looks down and sees the blood on the Starman costume and he goes, but it's too late for that. Let's go home. And he opens up the thing and he has the diamond and he ends up telling Courtney this story, which he lied to her as we discussed earlier in the show. Like a lot of stuff could be put to rest if they didn't lie. She's like, you said lies were over. Um, he's like, yes, but what we did destroyed the JSA. We never got back together after that until the, the injustice society joined and uh, that we were never, we were never right. And that's why we got beat. And she's like, Oh, I can't believe this. Wait until I tell uh, my mother. And she's like, your mother knows she lied to you too. And in the end, everybody's bickering with each other and Bruce Gordon's out the window looking, going laughing again, because once again, he's busted up another aspect of the JSA. I really like this episode. Just anytime you have JSA, I'm going to pop. So, right. I, so a couple comments, little nitpicks, of course. So, uh, Bruce Gordon, the guy who ends up getting possessed by, uh, Eclipso, the name that is credited to the creepy little kid that we see in our current day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm not up on my Eclipso lore, but right. when the diamond is talking to him in that opening scene, they're talking about Mona who Bruce is in love with right. and Eclipso is willing to take her husband out of the picture. Right. Do I know these characters? Do these characters like, are these part of the Eclipso lore or is this just for the show? I think it's part of the show because I don't remember uh, Mona at all. Do you know what I mean? I remember yeah. he, uh, Bruce Gordon, uh, he was a scientist who was specialized in the comic. He specialized in solar energy and that's why Eclipso kind of 
possessed him. In the beginning, he was supposed to be cursed and it was retconned to be like, he's like, no, I possessed you because I wanted to keep you distracted because the only thing that hurts me is actual sunlight and you were the world's leading solar scientist. So while I kept you distracted trying to find a cure, I could go about my business. So I don't, but I don't ever remember a Mona, if that makes sense. Sorry, I, I babble on when I know these little things. Right. So then, and it, th- this is a nitpick on my end, just in regard. I like the JSA stuff. Let me get that out of the way. Um, Whenever I see Starman, as they call him, uh, I still can't not think of Joel McHale. He's always mm-hmm. Joel McHale. Right. Now... I get that Luke Wilson, who plays Pat, is older than Joel McHale. But in the greater scheme of the JSA stuff, they, the rest of the JSA, are all supposed to be older than Luke Wilson. Pat. Stripesy. He's supposed to be kind of like their teen sidekick, sort of. Right, but he looks 40. Right. He looks the same age, if not older than all of them, right? Right. Uh, so that's just like a little bit of like eh, the casting on it, but I can't get too, too hung up on it. They should have got a, a younger guy to play the younger uh, Will, like Pat. They really should have. Or something, right? Right. Um, then we get to the bit with the vote where there's only four of us. And anytime it's an, uh, an uneven number of people, we have to get a fifth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in the entire history of the JSA, up to this point, they've never had an even number of people and they've never had to get someone to come in or they've never had to get Stripesy before to vote or they've always made sure that they've had five or seven or some sort of divisible, uh, you know, some sort of odd number of people there. Mm-hmm. And then even further still, if they did the vote without getting Pat involved, the vote would have been three to one for murder. Right, but that's for dramatic license, Joe. I understand it's for dramatic license, but I'm just like, well, we did our vote. I, I think it would have had a little bit more of an emotional punch if the vote was split two to two. Right. And they're like, we need you to be a tiebreaker, okay? And Pat says no. And then it's, rev- and like they don't say who voted for who. They just say the vote is split. It's two to two. This is what it is. We need you to make this decision. Right. And Pat says no. And then Pat's like, no. Right, Starman? And Starman's like, I voted yes. <gasps> you know what I mean? And then that's where they end up going to do it. So maybe you're saying it should have been a secret ballot. Not so much as a secret ballot, but it shouldn't have been a vote that would have been in favor of murder without getting Pat involved. I get what you're saying. I didn't mind what I actually thought they were going to do because earlier before they show that scene, he's trying to wash the blood off his, you know, his, the Eclipso illusion blood off. Yeah. His oh my God. I love that stuff. The way that was shot and the way that it was framed. And like, he, no matter how hard he tried, he, like it was so on the nose, but I loved it so much that no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't wash the blood off of his hands. I thought they were going to go down a road that in the end, Starman just either belittled, belittled, belittled him or like whatever, bullied him. And he, he cracked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was his, because, but I could see Pat saying I have blood in my hands because I drove him there. You know what I mean? But there was a part of me that was like, is Pat going to say yes? 
You know what I mean? Like kind of a deal. Um, but I, I get you. Also, really quick, I want to backtrack. Mona came later in the Eclipso Darkness Within uh, storyline that he ended up, she ended up being Bruce Gordon's fiance and girlfriend and stuff like that. But that came way later. So okay. that, and I said, the only other nitpick that I'll always have is that DC still hasn't put out a Jay Garrick helmet. <laughs> Cause I will buy at least two, at least maybe three. I definitely need one for driving. <laughs> when you're the amalgam Todd wearing your Jay Garrick helmet, wearing your Casey Jones mask. Oh, I'm the, I'm oh, There's no better. There's nothing better than being an amalgam Joe. Nothing. <laughs> Uh, but I like this. I just have like those little tiny nitpicks. Again, I can't argue with them, Hollywood, whatever. The show is and has been really good. These were just like little tiny choices that they made. And so this and this is less of a nitpick, but more of a question. Um, so is the JSA, was the JSA always this mean to Pat? Or is this like the way Pat remembers it? They were always, I think they were always this mean. Okay. Uh, granted, not not Thunderbolt, not Jay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think Pat wanted to be loved so much that he took the abuse from, from Starman. Mm-hmm. But I think Wildcat was just a big old bully because he's a boxer. Um, and we haven't seen any of the other dealings with uh, anybody. Obviously, Johnny Thunderbolt was nice to him too. Right. So I just think we've only seen two of the people, one being his mentor, one being the, the, the bruiser of the group. Hopefully we'll see, you know, other people, but I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. So like I said, my, my only issue there is, is because Pat has been set up as like a, um, an unreliable narrator in regards to all of this. Right. I feel as though is like, are we seeing the way that he remembers things differently or wrong or like he took things the wrong way? Um, just questions I have regarding him, Pat being established as an unreliable narrator. Right. How did you like uh, the hour man costume on, on uh, Lou Ferrigno Jr.? Hmm. So... He's a better actor than the kid. Better actor than the kid. Um, a little bit too much eye black, if that makes any sense. I love eye black on masks. You got to use it, but go ahead. I know you got to use it for TV, but it's just so distracting. I couldn't remember who the fourth guy was. And now it was our man. That's why. Yeah. But uh, and I still say icicles coming back. Yeah, I think you're on the I think you're on the uh, the ball on that one. I think he's literally going to come back and Barbara's going to be like you're an illusion. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and she's like and he's like I don't know what you're talking about because he takes he takes credit for the bad weather. Right. But we have been led to believe that the bad weather is because Eclipso hasn't left town. Right. Maybe th- it's a combination of the two. Right. I definitely think it could be a combination of two, but I lean towards it's Eclipso and the side effects are going to bring back Icicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way. All right. Why the last man? You burn through that easy to talk about plot. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so it, episode starts, uh, Dr. Man and Yorick are dealing with the fallout of them trying to turn on, abandon, whatever, Agent 355. 
she's still kind of perturbed with them, but they're siphoning gas. They're getting a Winnebago so that they could travel more people in a little bit better style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, while driving, 355 falls asleep, wrecks the Winnebago, and we'll kind of like deal with all of this stuff, you know, because there's like two right. things going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm making a better point to know names and places of people so it's less confusing. Right. At least we know they're in the Pentagon now. But go ahead. Right. We know they're in the Pentagon now. They say it in the episode, which helped me. I feel as though they did that for us. Because I have a feeling people along the way were like, uh, you know. They're but in some government building, not the White House. Right. But the Pentagon. Okay. So, 355 crashes the Winnebago. Now, while uh, they're driving... Yorick and Dr. Mann are in the back and she is tying him up because he's attempting to show off with his escape tricks that he could do. His illusions, if you will. <laughs> they're not tricks, they're illusions, Joe. I think Yorick said they're illusions. Anyway, right. um, I think he said they're tricks, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So the Winnebago crashes. We see some people come upon them. They pull guns on Dr. Mann and then we cut, Okay. Um, we come to Yorick waking up. He's in bed with some other woman. He's naked. He gets some clothes. He hears some people in the townhouse muttering whatever it is. And they bring him outside and they're kind of giving him the third degree while he is simply asking, where are my friends? What's going on? Where's my friends? Obviously, they want to know how he exists. Does he know how he survived and everything else like this? Right, and why was he kidnapped by these two people? Right, why was he kidnapped? And he goes, no, 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 I, I, I like, I was doing a trick, you know, an illusion, if you will. Um, and he kind of gets into that a little bit uh, there. We then are revealed as where we find where Dr. Man and 355 are. They are in the women's prison from the comic book. Yep. I remember this. I don't. So, um, you know, obviously the main person of this group, Janice, uh, she was in prison from a murder, a multiple murder that she did back in the 60s. 70s, I think. 70s. So she was serving life. Uh, You have a lot of killers and murderers and all sorts of folks that were in this women's prison, but they've kind of made things into a utopia. They have food. They set up a nice little town. They have power, all this sort of stuff. And they're attempting to figure out what they're going to do with Yorick and Dr. Man and Agent 355. Uh, from the car crash, the Winnebago crash, uh, 355 seems to be having some issues. Maybe skull fracture, definitely a concussion, but she's not doing well. Right. And every time she kind of sleepwalks or gets knocked out, it seems we get a little bit more of her like backstory. Yeah, there's the bit where she hears like the jazz music on the radio. Mm-hmm. And that kind of triggers something in her. Right. And this, the car crash triggers a memory with the necklace, maybe? Yes. So we're getting pieces of this. And one of the women prisoners seems to have a crush on Yorick. Which will totally end well. Right. I was going to say, which will end horribly. So the folks that attempted to bring... Uh, 355 back are being briefed with uh, the president, uh, Jennifer, and also the fake president, I guess, uh, Regina, 
Good and for they're you. trying to figure out what they saw and who they saw and where they saw, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they mentioned that there was another person. They claim it was definitely a man. And they claim that the man had a monkey with him. Obviously, this triggers something in Jennifer knowing that that's Yorick. But obviously, she has to poke her face in and not give up that she knows this information. She pushes back on the these two agents and saying, can you say this for 100% certainty? And of course, they can't. So right. she's attempting to use that to be able to discredit them, to hopefully not throw Regina and her sect on their trail. Mm-hmm. However, Regina goes back and relays this to Kimberly. Uh, as well as uh, Kimberly's mother, Marla, who is not doing well. She's just no. been laying in bed all day watching MASH reruns. By the way, great episode. It's the one where uh, Colonel Potter and Hawkeye go to a med station and then come back and get stuck in a foxhole. Then they get drunk and go back to the camp. Great episode. You know, I got at least two people that you could do a MASH by MASH episode uh, podcast with. I I could do almost that episode's backward and forwards just from that clip, but go ahead. All right. So uh, as Kim is lamenting, saying, like, listen, we need to hitch our wagon to Regina. She's the only chance that we have at getting any sort of real power in any of this. Marla's like, ah, she's a crackpot. Your father hated her. You know, so on and so forth. Let's just kind of, you know, lay in bed and watch MASH all day sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So Regina comes back and she's like, oh, that Jennifer, oh, she's so full of it. She's this. And she's trying to hide the fact and discredit these other people that they saw a guy with a monkey. Ooh. Now, Kim thinks she saw this because she believes her mother, her mother who hasn't been doing well. But the mother, Marla, has a reaction, has an episode. And right before Jennifer is about to go outside and address the people that are outside the Pentagon, Marla has a big to-do and says, you made me think I was crazy. He was here, and you made me think I was crazy. And they kind of just shush her up, tell her to leave, we'll deal with it later. Uh, Now, when Jennifer goes out and gives the speech, we, the audience, are seen of a person from behind who is wearing, like, this quilted, like, a a jacket sort of thing. Like a jacket hood thing. Yeah, and as they move forward and closer, Jennifer recognizes her as Beth. Mm -hmm. Beth was in New York, was not with Yorick. Uh, Jennifer doesn't let Beth know York's alive. Right, gotta put, puts, gotta kayfabe it, man. Right, puts one of her aides on her and just kind of says, like, she doesn't know, but stick with her. So Jennifer's doing her best to put Beth at ease in regards to everything that's going on. Uh, Beth says that she's going to leave. Jennifer attempts to give her a new jacket, but she... Uh, Beth refuses to take it because there's a giant presidential seal on it. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to that in a second to wrap up the episode because Kimberly now says that we need to get Yorick. That is our plan. God chose him to live. And he is the one that is going to be repopulating the earth. Kimberly has gone off the deep end at this point. Yep. 
Runs any the sort of semblance or ability to hold things together that she had are completely out the window. Right. And sadly, it's that coupled with Jennifer rebuffing her, uh, Marla, and everything with Regina making her play for power. Through an open window, Marla ends up taking her own life. Right. Um, though I do like, just not do like, but part of it is because Kimberly ends up telling her that their house has been wiped out by a dam exploding. Right. They oh. can't go back. The apple tree is gone. Yes, Everything yeah. is gone. Yeah. There's nothing left for Marla kind of a deal or anything that she thinks. Powerful, powerful stuff. But uh, I don't want to interrupt you because I have a few things at the end. I'll wait, right. but. So Kim has a breakdown after her mother passes, takes her own life. As Beth leaves, she's into a van with some other people. And they don't come right out and say it, but it is certainly intimated as these are people who are planning an attack on the Pentagon. Yep, and Beth was a spy. Yes. Now that I don't remember from the comic books because obviously Beth was in Australia when everything happened. Right. But this now creates, like, Earth 2, Why the Last Man. Right, right. Earth Why the Last Man. Um, there you go. But, uh, so, do, are you done? I don't want to step on you. Yep, I'm done. Okay, couple of things, couple of things. I just want to say, I like when anybody that the president knows comes to meet them, they get a spaghetti dinner. Um, I, I noticed that York got his spaghetti dinner, and so did Beth, and that was just kind of cute. Um, but the... Uh, Marla stuff. Oh, first I'm going to go with the, with the prison. Just the one thing when they're driving up the road and they pass the, don't pick up any hitchhiker sign. That's when I knew they were near a prison. It was kind of the same thing they did in the walking dead episode. Um, when they got to the prison story and then Marla, as you said, three, three, five or three, uh, 55 is a great actress. I say she is, she's wonderful, but I think, Marla burned better, but for shorter, um, because her whole descent, like from the beginning of this episode, I knew I was like, Marla is not going to be like, we haven't even got into it. I'm like, Marla's not going to be alive by the end of this episode. And yeah. she goes, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Oh, she looks so disheveled. Um, and then it goes and she's just going downhill and downhill. And she has that amazing outburst with the president. Like you tried to gaslight me. And then the, the breaking of the heart with the apple tree in the house. And she walks out on the roof and that like, there's that scene where she does the plunge. And I was like, this is, is powerful. And then anytime they go to silence and then they bring up the suicide hotline, get people help. If you know anybody, it's, that makes it all the worse. Sometimes, you know what I mean? It's good information to have, but it's like, Oh, like, I wish she called that number. I know that's so stupid, but do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, what a way to end an episode. I was, I was destroyed. That's all I got. Right. Uh, it was great. Uh, again, uh, you know, I know I had some issues with the very first episode, but it was just kind of fitting in, in everything into, uh, today's timeline as opposed to 20 years ago, 15 years ago's timeline. Right. Uh, but this was a great episode. I agree. So I think that's everything. I think so too. All right. We did a whole show today. We did. And it was very short. 
I'm not going to look until I hit stop on the recording. So, for Todd, this is Joe, ending episode 576, Longbox Heroes. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.